Here, in a world where the sun burns cold, and the wind blows colder, a visitor has come, but not by herself. It started. Suspense is back. And we have no weapons of any kind. The fear is back. And most of all, the bitch is back. <laughs> Alien 3. Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a theme and since it's April I'm doing the Alien franchise since it turns 40 this year. For this review I am looking at the much maligned 1992 Alien 3 or as it was called when I was in high school, Alien Cubed. Due to this movie being cut up by the studio. As I said when I was in high school, the whole buzz about this movie was the new look Xenomorph and of course Ripley's death. Does this movie deserve the hate it gets as the worst of the franchise? Was this a case of too many cooks spoiling the broth? Is there religious angles to blame for this movie's failure? Find out here. And note, I will be using the director's cut to do this review. So let's just dive into this much hated David Fincher movie. Before I do dive into this car crash of a movie, I want to talk about the making of this movie. With its 10 plus drafts, multiple producers sticking their oar in, the director walking off set, stories of a wooden plant in space ran by monks. No wonder this bad case of a movie flopped. With far too many cooks in the kitchen, this broth was well and truly spoiled. With the supposed budget of 65 million, with 7 million just wasted on sets built in Pinewood Studios that were never fucking used, 5.5 of this budget went to Weaver, and this was supposed to be her last hurrah as Ripley. This pulled in 159 million and was quickly hated by fans. With the director all but washing his hands of this, here we have it Alien 3. And one more teeny wee thing here David Fincher. Why? Being a first-time director and Madonna's favourite director, because he was a music video director before this movie came out, he was treated like shit by Fox. Indeed, um, he started shooting with no script whatsoever. What in the actual fuck was Fox thinking? Why hand over $65 million to a 30-year-old unknown fucking director? Or untested director even? Jesus Christ, Fox. Anyway, moving on. Starring Sigourney Weaver, Charles Dance, Charles S. Dutton, Paul McGann, Brian Glover, Danny Webb, and Lance Hendrickson, directed by David Fincher. The plot. Weeks after the events of Aliens, Ellen Ripley is a sole survivor of the Siloco after an alien egg hatches and somehow causes the ship to crash land on prison planet Fury 161. An all-male prison with the worst of humanity in it left to rot by the company, they somehow found faith. 
However, Ripley's arrival sends men into a panic. Uh, there is one more surprise waiting for him on the planet. It has a face hugger which latched onto an ox. Now, with no weapons, no technology, no chance can Ripley survive and kill the Xenomorph once and for all. Spoiler alerts, no she can't. <clears throat> so the movie opens up uh, in shots in space, then onto a sleeping Ripley, once again played by Sigourney Weaver, as the ship the USS Soloco silently floats through space. It does the little gift the alien queen left behind hatch. We see the facehugger crab attach, uh, sorry, attack a cryopod, this somehow causes a fire aboard. Uh, we then see a hologram of someone with a facehugger attached to him as the computer voice tells us there's a fire on board. And all this is intercut with the titles and weird shots of blood-stained cloth. Ripley having a seizure, exploding equipment, and then the bodies being put into escape pods and injected into space. Did I miss something here? I mean, all this has happened from one drop of alien acid blood. Why is this blood so powerful when it hasn't been this powerful in the other two movies? The escape pods, uh, holding Newt, Hicks and Ripley, crash land on Fury 161, a mineral ore factory turned all-male prison. It crash lands into the sea, and note, this coastline is the same quarry used in the ending for Get Carter 1971. Except all the cranes aren't real, but they're cardboard cutouts. Because of course they're cardboard cutouts, a $65 million fucking movie, yet we have cardboard cutouts. Jesus criminies. Out of the mist comes a man, Clemens, played by Charles Dance of Last Action Hero, Gosford Park, Starter for 10, Teddy Pratchett's Going Postal, Underworld Movies, Check My Archives, The Imitation Game, and of course Game of Thrones. He sees the escape pod slowly sinking into the cold water. He then spots the all but dead body of Ripley coated in what looks like suit and crawling with lice. And how the fuck did she get ejected from her cryosleep pod yet the little two bodies are still inside her cryopods? Moving on, he quickly runs inside, takes Ripley into the hospital and saves her life. Here, some of the other men see Ripley, the first one they've seen in decades. So, Clemens yells at them to check the shoreline for more survivors. The other men head down to the shoreline with Oxen. As we see the Governor, Andrews, played by the late Brian Glover, of Kess, an American woman from London, in the company of Wolves, Snow White, A Tale of Terror, and Up and Under. He's reporting the crashed escape pod to the company, and Ripley is being the sole survivor. In the hospital, Clemens cleans up Ripley. Back with Andrews as he reports Corporal Hicks and Newt is dead, along with the totally trashed Bishop. And a note, Michael Bean, or Bean, I'm going to pronounce his fucking name, refused to give permission for his likeness to be used in the film, as he wanted a huge cash payout. This is why Hicks' body is completely smashed up beyond all recognition. And apparently, for his little TDB picture he used, he get paid the exact same money as he got for aliens. Down by the shore, the other men using oxen have pulled the escape pod out of the sea. As the sun sets, we see a crude cross standing, hinting these men have found faith. The next morning, all the men are gathered in an assembly hall of some sort, where the head priest, Dylan, played by Charles S. Dunton of Cat's Eye, coming soon, Crocodile Dundee 2, Menace to Society, Mimic, Gothica, and Secret Window. 
uh, he holds some kind of mass, but the legend seems to be a tad extreme, talking about how vengeful and angry God is and how they want to embrace death. Kidding. And then Andrews tells the men the facts that an escape pod crash landed, and there is indeed one sole survivor, a woman. This causes the inmates to panic, uh, more voiced by Morse, played by Danny Webb, of a fuck ton of Shakespeare uh, movies and plays, video games, and of course, hundreds of bloody TV shows. Uh, he pipes up. Old men have sworn a, vo- a vow of celibacy, as Dylan adds the outsider will mess with the harmony of the place. Andrews Cabell tells him he contacted the company and it was sending a rescue team to be there within a week. Andrews tells his second in command, Aaron, played by Ralph Brown, or Whitnell and I. The Crying Game, Wayne's World 2, Star Wars Episode 1, coming soon. Me Machine, Exorcist 4 and 5, Jackie, and Red Dead Redemption 2. That Ripley must have an escort at all times and be kept safe away from these rapist murderers and thieves. And note, Newt was also going to be a survivor. However, it was pointed out that on a planet of rapists, murderers and child abusers, maybe that wasn't such a good idea as the movie would deal with child rape and the movie would give an X certificate. So, instead of that, the rape was given to Ripley. Wow, Hollywood. Ten fucking writers, multiple rewrites, and this is what you come up with? A fucking rape storyline? Ah, dear God. Back in the hospital, Clemens injects Ripley with some sort of drug cocktail he's mixed up himself. Ripley wakes up and stops him until he says he's the CMO, then injects her, telling her what actually happened, adding she might want to shave her head as the place is crawling with lice. Why would a planet be crawling with lice? I mean... Ripley then demands to see the escape pod and bodies, so Clemens takes her down to the morgue, telling her the story of the prison planet that once tells 5,000 prisoners, but only hold 25 men. Ripley digs around the escape pod, looking for what happened and where the bodies are. Clemens tells her the droid is smashed to pieces on impact, Hicks was impaled by a support beam, and Newt drowned in her cryosleep pod. And Ripley was lucky enough to be thrown free somehow. And wow, this company is cheap. The escape pods, how in the actual hell did this thing get so much damage on a water landing for fuck's sake? I mean... Ripley then cries over Newt's cryo chamber. She then spots acid damage on a door and on the chamber itself and asks to see her body. So down to the morgue Ripley and Clemens Gore to find out what, what actually killed Newt. And note, even though this was a dummy, the scene was so graphic that some of the crew were gagging on set and indeed the editor was throwing up in the editing suite. Which is why you barely see anything for crying out loud. Uh, Clemens shows Ripley's flooded liquid... Uh, sorry, sorry, uh, say again. Clemens shows Ripley Newt's flooded with Liquid lungs are therefore no chest buster, and we see a quick flash of lungs. And one thing here, just how many eggs did the alien queen actually lay in the slockle? Three? Four? Because there's one in Ripley, and there's one in the dog or oxen, depending on which version you see. Yet Ripley is lucky enough to have the queen. Get in. One other thing, before I get deeper into this movie, when was Ripley a lieutenant? 
Wasn't she a warrant officer? Unless I'm a complete idiot. And of course, these two things are the same. Also, what's with the bloodshot eye? Was the alien queen Facehugger that violent when impregnating her? Also, is that why her voice is so bloody croaky throughout this entire movie? Anyway, moving on. Andrews, with his little lapdog, Aaron, go down to Namor to scold Clemens for A, doing an unauthorised autopsy, and B, for letting the men see Ripley. Andrews then tells Ripley, in no uncertain terms, she cannot walk around the place or the men may indeed rape her. Really, maybe? I mean, men can't control themselves around women, so just kind of rape her. That's uh, a bloody feminist fucking dream came true. <clears throat> Moving on. Cut to a meat locker, where two unnamed men wheel in the body of a dead oxen. I'm guessing to be sliced and diced and cooked for dinner then. One thing. When did oxen get implanted, and how didn't the men notice a fucking facehugger or a dead shell of the facehugger? Uh, this also applies to the dog, by the by. How the fuck can I notice a fucking crab stuck to your fucking animal? Uh, this movie's so fucking bad. <clears throat> These two charmers talk about rape and abuse because of course they would. R. Murphy, played by Chris Fair Fairbanks, and Frank, played by Carl Chase. And son of an actual fucking bitch. One of them do find a huge ass dead queen facehugger. You want to know something? Fuck this movie. This is a piece of absolute shite, which is cropped, diced, sliced, fucking mutilated to fuck. And I'm only 20 minutes into this 2 hours and 20 minute fucking movie. Oh my god. Cut to Newt and Hexie's body being tossed into a furnace. As this is happening, the alien chestbuster, well, burst out of the oxen. So we have a huge ass, ass even. Alien queen Xenomorph just running around now. And hold on a wee second here. This thing is a fully formed, fair enough, it's a size of a small to medium sized dog, but it's a fully formed fucking xenomorph. What the fuck happened to the chestbuster snake creature? Okay mm, then, this thing is a full, oh, whatever. Wow, ten writers, two directors, multiple producers, and a boatload of studio suits, and this is the best to come up with. What an absolute piece of a steaming fucking shite! Also, this rod puppet looks like crap. On to Ripley, finally shaving her head. Uh, a note, Weaver, had, Weaver even had to wear a wig, as her young daughter at the time was afraid of her being bald. Inside the mess hall, some of the men complained to Dylan about Golic, played by Paul McGann. Of Whitnell and I, Queen of the Damned, Luther, and Doctor Who, the movie, check my archives. Not to mention Doctor Who, audio drummers, and indeed he is the War Doctor. Oh, actually, not a War Doctor. War Doctor was. Uh, what the hell's his name again? John Hurt. <laughs> because they complain he is bug nuts insane, and indeed he smells so bad as he never showers. He quickly puts the men in their place, however, telling them to put up or indeed shut the fuck up. Ripley then walks in to get a meal. Every man rubber next to watch her, she goes over to Dylan to thank him for what he said at the funeral, but he coldly tells her to fuck off, as he is indeed a rapist of women. Ripley then sits down next to Dylan, as Dylan calmly tells her she is welcome here, but... Um, this is a colony of men waiting for God to take them and smite them for their return, for his return rather. 
Okay then, moving on to Clemens, telling Ripley what kind of bullshit religion Dylan is spewing. Apparently it's an extreme offshoot of fundamentalist Christianity. So you know this thing's fucking crazy then. Also, five years previous, the company wanted to close down the planet and indeed the prison. However, Dylan and his men demanded to stay and it was surrounded by 25 men. And how the hell does that work exactly? This huge ass prison is run by less than 20 men. Okay then. Seconds later, Ripley hits on him. Really, movie? Just like that, Ripley is horny. Okay, I guess she hasn't had sex in at least a hundred years, but really, Clemens? I mean, no offence to Charles Dance here, but uh, she could have had a chance to jump Hicks or indeed Hudson's body, but nope, she jumps onto Clemens. Also, Krita Satcher much, she must be at least 139 years old. Cut to one of the men complaining about Golic cleaning the shit from the air conditioning fans. He stands on a chestbuster skin, but wait a minute here, it wasn't, I didn't have a chestbuster stage, what the fuck is, uh, moving on. He notices a hole in the tunnel and checks out to be attacked by the Zero Morph, so he falls into the fan to be diced up. Ripley wakes from her tryst with Clemens and her bloodshot eye is now perfectly fine now, so a quick bang and boom, the bloodshot is gone. Okay then. Also, the cut above her eye seems to have healed. It's a magic piece of sex, aren't they? Christ almighty. Clemens asks why she needed to burn the bodies, but Ripley refused to answer. Um... Why wouldn't she? Because it's not like she's shy to tell people about aliens. I mean, mm, in aliens, she wouldn't shut the fuck up about how bad these big beasties were, but this one, she's numb about it. Kidding. Ripple then questions Clemens as to why he has a barcode on the back of his neck, but he's equally as cagey and doesn't answer her, which ticks off Ripley. Clemens is then buzzed to deal with the diced up prisoner and cut to the gory mess as Andrews asks who it was, with Clemens saying it was Murphy. I see I date him from his boots. I love the fact another prosec comes in with a bucket and a spade to scrape up the dead body. Oh, that's so wrong. Clemens notices acid burn marks, but Andrews doesn't want to hear about it. Happy to chalk up to an accident. Cut to Ripley, digging around the scrap heap looking for the escape pod's black box. Clemens comes to tell her it was unwise of her to walk around with no guard. Also, about the dead prisoner and the acid burn he's found. This sends a chill down Ripley's spine, so she asks to see Bishop to see if he can read the black box. Cut to Golic lighting a candle uh, for the dead prisoner, saying he liked Murphy and indeed he treated him nice. Okay then. On to a meeting between Andrews and Clemens in here. Andrews tells Clemens that Ripley is a priority one for the company and she must be saved no matter what. He then threatens to tell Ripley all about Clemens' sordid past, unless he works with him and bees a nice little boy. He questions him on what Ripley told him, and luckily for him, she didn't tell him Jack, followed by shit. Cut to Ripley, looking for Bishop's destroyed body in the outside scrapyard, alone. Why is there two scrapyards? Here she finds out there was indeed an alien on board, but only after the attempted rape of at least 10 fucking men. Why is this needed? Couldn't she have been beaten up? Not that that's any better, mind you. But it is not rape. Why did this need a rape scene? Mm. Luckily for her, Dylan shows up, 
the last second to, quote, educate the men with his huge fuck-off staff. Back to Golic and his two escorts down in the air tunnels, where they have lit 137 candles for Murthy. Xenomorph, however, has blown out some of the candles. Okay, so down they go to investigate, as one of them has to relight the entirety of the candles, and he's quickly attacked and eaten by the fully grown warrior Xenomorph. Yes, I said he was eaten. This is the first time we see Xenomorphs actually eating their prey. The other two men hear this and run for it down the corridors of tunnels until they find a dead end. Exploring more, they find another dead body of another prisoner. So the unnamed prisoner is just lifted off the ground and eaten by a xenomorph. Okay then, is two xenomorphs here or just one xenomorph? Hmm? Hmm. Leaving Golic alone sprayed by blood. Some say due to this blood Baptism, Golic is now in league with the Xenomorph and he calls it the Beast or Dragon. Back to Ripley in the hospital, getting in information from Bishop's messed up body. Why does he have one arm missing and one eye missing? Oh, thank God, these droids are easily damaged because, of course, they would be. Uh... Note, this is an actual robot and not Lance Hendrickson under all that makeup. Of course, he is voice he's voice his bishop, but he isn't actually there. It's some sort of half robotic type droid thing or whatever. <coughs> Who gives a fuck? This movie's awful. Anyway, he tells her everything that an alien egg hatched, uh, which caused the fire that caused them to be put in the escape pods. Uh, Golic is then found in a mess hall, eating breakfast, still coated in blood, crazier than ever. Golic is then ganged up on and placed in a street jacket and then throwing in a hospital ranting about the beast. Why hasn't he been ripped apart or cocooned? Maybe he is an apostle of the beast then. Hmm. Andrews wants to cover up everything. Happy to blame Golic for the deaths. But Dylan says no, Golic is a lot of things but he isn't a liar. Therefore, he didn't do it. Even Ripley steps in but Andrews doesn't want to listen to her again. Even after Ripley tells him everything about the Xenomorph, he still doesn't want to listen or indeed want to believe. Ripley asks about weapons, but Andrews says there's none. Wait a minute here. This is slash was a maximum security prison, and they do not have so much of a taser. Fucking bullshit! Andrews tells Ripley she's not to leave the hospital, and she's in 24 hour around the clock quarantine because she's carrying something. Okay then. Back in the hospital, Ripley quizzes Clemens if there's any way off the planet. He tells her, nope, there's only two six-month supply drops and that's it. However, Comfy will be there as soon as. Ripley starts to cough and complain of a sore throat and indeed feeling queasy. Clemens checks her over quickly and Golic rants in his bed. Clemens makes Ripley up, quote, one of his special little cocktails. As she questions him about his past, he tells her his sad story. That after he left medical school, he was addicted to morphine. And one night, after a 36-hour long shift, he went on a bender and absolutely hammered. That's drunk. However, he was called back in to deal with a 30-man accident in which he killed 11 men at his hands because he was so bloody well drunk and or high. So, he was given seven years on Fury 161 and was almost all but struck off the medical records or medical type doctor thing. 
He then asks her if she still trusts him with an injection. In that same second, the xenomorph comes out of the air vent, just as Clemens injects her. Seconds later, he's dead at the claws of the xenomorph. And here we have the iconic moment of Ripley face-to-face with Xenomorph as it just sticks out its inner mouth, turns and drags Clemens' body up the air vent, leaving a terrified Ripley and Golok behind. Ripley runs to the mess hall where Dylan is holding mass for the two dead prisoners they think Golok killed. Andrews then holds court, telling the men what exactly happened in the past 12 hours. That Murphy fell onto the fan, Golok's escorts, are missing, presumed dead, and to search out, so they send out a search party to find these dead bodies. Just as he finishes talking, Ripley arrives shouting, It's here! But Andrews doesn't listen, and seconds later he's picked off the ground by the xenomorph and dragged into the air vent to be killed. As blood rains down, the men are panic. Later that night, Ripley asks who is in charge. After yet another mass held by Dylan. Ripley is then asked to take over uh, once everyone points out that Aaron is useless and unrespected because he has an IQ of less than 85. Unwillingly, she comes up with a plan to kill it. Actually, unwilling to take over, that is, not to kill the thing. <laughs> to flush it out of hiding, make it chase the bait to be uh, to a disused toxic waste dump safe, Kenan. Then kill it with highly flammable gas. With help from inmate David, played by Pete Possilwaite of Last of the Mohicans. In the name of the father, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost Worlds. Neutral suspects, Aeon Flux, The Town, and multiple other movies. Ripley moves barrels of this highly explosive gas. Why the fuck does a prison plant have highly explosive gas? Dozens of barrels of this shit just lying around. <sighs> this movie. She then gets rocked in help from Dylan and his quote a boys. So here we have it, with an hour left of this two and a half hour fucking movie, the quote action can finally happen. <sighs> this movie is so fucking. With some of the men greasing up the walls, others using the toxic. Paint what they found somehow hmm. to drive away the xenomorph. Some are checking batteries for torches, that is, flashlights for American listeners, as Ripley starts to feel ill and indeed breathless. So, with the walls greased up, the gas poured everywhere, the trap is set. Too bad the xenomorph isn't waiting around to be killed and takes out an inmate, causing him to drop a bucket of gasoline and a flare which sets off an explosion. The fireball spreads like, well, wildfire, taking out men left, right and centre, as men are flying through the air on fire. Guess that's the budget went then. Hmm. Dylan gets one of his boys, Junior, played by Holt McCauley, of Crypto 2, Fight Club, uh, Alpha Dog, Vantage Point, uh, The Losers, uh, to hunt down... Um, some way to get the sprinklers to work, because apparently this prison has sprinklers. Okay, Unfortunately, Xenomorph chases him and indeed kills him. And the CJ Xenomorph is fucking terrible. It looks plastic. Uh, Ripley then gives chase, but it's too late. He's alien foods. So, with plan A literally up in smoke, it's time for plan B. Dylan puts out the fire using the sprinkler system, and now with their home all but burnt down, and them down to a handful of men, they are completely and utterly fucked. 
Yet another mass held by Dylan. Why? Aaron tells Ripley not to worry, because within five days the company will be here to rescue her and indeed kill the Zero Morph. Until Ripley points out the company won't kill it. They want it to study and make it a biological weapon. Meanwhile, in hospital, Gollick begs Morse to be cut free from his straitjacket as he did not kill the others. It was the beast. But he's having none of it until Gollick sweet talks him, saying he gives him cigarettes all the time. And now he's set free. After getting information where they have trapped the alien, Gollick knocks out Morse and sets the bloody thing loose. In Andrews' office, Ripley gets Aaron to send a message to the company telling them what happened. Also, they have trapped it. She's told not to kill it and rescue team will be there in 12 hours. My god, that was quick. It got from 8 days to 12 hours in a matter of fucking a few hours. Okay then. Golic kills the guard guarding the alien's prison cell and then sets it free. Seconds later, he's dead as the alien now runs free. Well, a teeny CGI cheap plastic looking alien does anyway, isn't that supposed to be a fucking queen or a royal guard? It's supposed to be huge for fuck's sake, and it's teeny. Ripley begs Dylan for help in killing the Xenomorph before the company comes for it. At first, he says no until Morse runs in to tell him what he has done, and now the Xenomorph is running free. As what's left of the men in fight as to what to do and who is to blame. Um, Ripley has a panic attack. With that, she heads to the escape pod to have a full body scan done. And here she finds out she is indeed carrying a queen. Dylan holds court yet again, or indeed a mash yet again, for what's left of his men, all eight of them. Putting his plan uh, to stay in the assembly hall until the company comes to rescue them, shanking the xenomorph if it indeed shows up. Because that's going to kill a fucking huge ass xenomorph, a wee dinky fucking shank. Morse comes up with a better idea to trap it in the furnace and burn it alive. Ripley f- forces Aaron to send a message telling the company the whole prison planet is toxic and there's no way in or indeed out. Uh, have you seen outside? It's 40 below, pitch dark and a polluted due to years of toxic dumping. The planet is indeed fucked. Uh, oh dear. With hours to go before the company show up, uh, Ripley decides to hunt down the alien alone and kill it. Uh, betting on the fact it won't kill her due to her carrying the next queen. Aaron sees on the computer the rescue team will be there in under two hours and Ripley must be saved at all costs. Ripley hunts it down, finding it in a sub-basement. She begs for it to kill her, but it doesn't. It just runs off. Uh, she then asks Dylan to kill her, but Dylan refuses as they come up with plan B. Dylan holds court yet again with his entirety of uh, the crew. I think there's 10 people left. And he begs them to help him kill the alien. None of them are up for it, not even Aaron, who thinks he's safe as he's quote a company man. Fucking idiot. Until Ripley tells some cold hard truth that two other times she faced off against this alien with crew expendable. Then the marines were sent in. They were also expendable. What makes them think these are special? These are just fucking prisoners dumped in the arsehole of the earth. Uh, the, earth. the space source, whatever the fuck it is. Plan B is indeed put into action, which is to lure it into a mould and then drown it in molten ore. Or lead, even. Dylan shows Ripley how to turn the machine on, telling her this is a one-time chance not to fuck it up. 
The men close all the doors except the ones leading to the mould. Too bad the doors barely close, right? And the xenomorph has started to kill them off one by one. God, this is a resourceful, smart xenomorph. Yet more scenes of this thing eating, except it isn't. It's CGI fucking is terrible. Beam in here, that's actually a rod puppet. What the fuck is this movie? Budget 10 pence left. Ay, dear God. This thing doesn't look 8 feet tall, more like 3, and it acts like a fucking wild dog, not a bloody uh, warrior. Anyway, it gives chase to an unnamed inmate, and so it begins, and note the quote, alien vision, as the behind the scenes called it, is filmed using a steady cam, hence why it can go upside down. With 25 minutes of this 225 minute fucking slugfest left, and with the company dropship a mere Minutes away, the plan goes to shit as Zemov has killed three more men and sent the rest into panic, I've got to say. When the Xenomorph pupping, uh, uh, pupping? puppets even is running around, it looks teeny. But when the man in the suit standing it, it looks fucking huge. Hello, perspective. The men are running around in a panic and lose the Xenomorph. However, it quickly finds its way to kill David. And how the fuck did this Xenomorph know the way of the way of this furnace in minutes, yet these guys have been in this prison for years and don't know how the fuck this furnace works. Uh, or does it just pull a Jason and pop it behind its victim? The Xenomorph is now in the main chamber, trapped with Ripley, as the men have locked it in the chamber along with its travel. Basically they're fucking stuck in this thing with a piece of shit fucking alien. With the company now on the planet, it is now or never. An inmate starts the piston too early, and the xenomorph isn't as stupid as Ripley thinks it is. Except the chestburster uh, has started to hatch, and therefore Ripley has minutes left, so she must get this fucking xenomorph back in the trap. Ripley finds body after body in the tunnels, as the last of Dylan boys have fallen. It's down to him. The company arrive, and Aaron greets them, telling them where Ripley is. Down in the tunnels, Ripley finds Morse, who's somehow still a fucking alive, and his xenomorph is feasting on the last of the inmates. She tries in vain to piss it off so much it will chase her. But nope, the aliens are not fucking stupid. She even goes as far as to grab it by the tail and try to drag it by the tail. And this is fucking hilarious, by the way. Dylan pulls her away, so the xenomorph gives chase. Morse closes the final door, trapping it in. And now with it's down to him to pour a lead uh, on top of the xenomorph as Dylan is still pulling Ripley away from the xenomorph. Meanwhile, Aaron has led the company rescue team uh, down to where Ripley is. Dylan tells Ripley to climb out as in seconds, 10 tons of molten liquid lead will be on top of her head but she refuses until he points out it dies first and then he will kill her. Up she climbs until Dylan realises the alien can climb too. The fucking idiot could have realised that ten fucking minutes ago. Therefore he must stand there and be bait. Screaming as the alien is ripping him apart, Dylan begs Ripley to dump the lead. Morse does so, drowning the alien in molten liquid. It doesn't work however, as the alien jumps free until Ripley pours water on it, cracking its skin. And with that, it explodes, because of course it would explode. 
Minutes later, the rescue team have arrived, led by Bishop, played once again by Lance Hendrickson. Is this supposed to be Peter Whelan's great-grandson, or is he supposed to be the original Bishop? What about the guy in Elvis' Predator? I've got to say, this timeline is completely and utterly fucked. Uh, he tries to trick her into trusting him, but she's having none of it. Not believing their lies, she dies into the molten lead. Morse is shot in the leg. Aaron is then gunned down as he tries to beat up Bishop. So, as I said, Ripley dies into the lead in a Christ-like pose, choking the alien queen as it bursts from her chest. The sun rises. The prison is finally closed. Morse is taken away. The queen is dead as credits roll. Finally. So that was Alien 3, the red-headed stepchildren, child even, of the franchise. A complete cutting shut of a movie and a waste of time, money and effort. It breaks the rules of the previous movies, doesn't even work as an action movie, let alone a fucking horror movie, and this fucker drags. I'm going to give this a woefully pathetic 3 out of 10. Still, I come back next week to see how Ripley's story ends in Alien Resurrection. And the other two movies will be covered the following week. May is Star Wars prequels, June is Batman, July is Piranha, August is Hitchcock movies, September is Stephen King movies. So don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, where you can vote on what movies I will cover. Or email me your movie suggestions to Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchise podcasts of House, Hellraiser, Underworld, Resident Evil and more. Or my solo podcast of Aliens, Evil Dead 3, Dracula, Nightmare on Street 3 and many, many more. Hey, bye. And remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. Also, if you watch this, everyone will hear you scream, this is fucking awful. Bye.